Well, hey, how are we doing this morning? Good. If you have a Bible, um, you can go to the book of Ephesians. That's in the New Testament. I say it every week because we now live in a society where uh, you may or may not know where that is in the Bible, and we always just want to give clarity. The Bible is broken up into two sections, an old and a new. The New Testament um, is where we see things about the church, about resurrection, about the gospels. The Old Testament is where we see letters that are written to Jewish people, and we're going to be in both today. So you can bookmark Ephesians chapter 2, and then if you want to, you can go to Psalm 139, and we will be in that, and I'll start there in verse 13, but you don't have to flip to both of those right now, but if you're a bookmark person, you can do that. Or if you have a phone, you can scroll up to both of those, super easy. Um, If you don't have either or, uh, we're cool. You can read things on the screen with us, and we believe that today, as we do every week, that God's gonna do amazing things, amen? Amen. So we are in a series called Symphony, and we just believe that God is orchestrating some things in your life where you can be used by God. Everybody say, play your part. Everybody has a part to play in God's kingdom. There's no part that's too small. There's no part that's too big. Everybody has a role and a part to play. And what we're gonna do is dissect what it looks like for us as a church to play our part, to play our role. So I'm gonna read these scriptures uh, to you. And this is what it says in Ephesians chapter two, verse and it says, for we are his workmanship. Everybody say workmanship. We're his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. Now in Psalm 139, Starting in verse 13, it says this, for it was you who created my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I will praise you because I have been remarkably, some translations said that you have been fearfully and wonderfully made, but this translation says that I have been remarkably and wondrously made. Your works are wondrous, and I know this very well. My bones were not hidden from you. When, it, when I was made in secret, when I was formed in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw me when I was formless. All my days were written in your book and planned before a single one of them began. God, how precious are your thoughts to me. How vast their sum is. If I counted them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I wake up, I am still with you. Would you pray to me, God? Thank you for today. Um, I pray that today be uh, monumental for people's lives, that we understand we are created with purpose, uh, not just with passion, but that we are created to do good works, to do great things for you while we are here on this earth. We thank you and we worship you and we ask these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. amen. Anybody ever been in like a band? Anybody have like a garage band back in their day? Or anybody ever played in like school band? Yeah, school band, it's okay. You don't have to be like, ah, kinda, it's all right. Uh, like I know that always there was like a first chair battle in like middle school, right? It was like, and it was really awkward because they were like, you had to do your solos by yourself. I did not play anything but a snare uh, because I could hit stuff, all right? That's the only reason why. Um, if you ever go to like a middle school, um, like, band recital, you'll hear a lot of awkward things happen. Like guys who play trombone are like, and they're they're trying to play it right. They just can't get it all together 
all the time. And it's because they're not, uh, they are not experts in their craft yet. Um, when I was uh, growing up, I played music. I'm a pastor's kid, and so in my home, you did not have an option but to play music because we needed musicians. And so my dad would put me sitting in a chair on the stage. I played an ukulele for a little while, and then he would put me on the stage with a guitar. And when I was a kid at night service, because we had night service back then, I would be playing, and the next thing you know, I'd be doing this. And I'd fall asleep playing the guitar on the stage, and then some saint of a woman from our church would come and grab me and put me to sleep in the pew because that's where I spent most of my days as a young person and a teenager, and sometimes as an adult uh, sleeping in church. And so I, I did all these things. We, we had a, I grew up, I played music. I was in a worship band. And one time we got asked to lead worship at a church camp. And like, if you're in a, a worship band, leading worship at church camp is like the ultimate, like, yes, people are gonna know who we are. Like, maybe we will get booked more often. We're gonna release an album. And all these things start happening. All of a sudden, all your dreams, you're like, all the garages are done. We're actually playing in front of people. And these people don't care. And so I, we, we started a song one time, and it had a click. It was one, two, three, four. And my friend Dave, who was playing the electric guitar, started the song in the wrong key. And so it distracted me because I was playing acoustic guitar. And I'm like, this isn't right. Well, after that, the whole band was supposed to come in on the next four count at the top of the one. And so nobody came in at the right time. Our, our drummer came in, boom. And when everybody came in, we were all in the wrong key. There was a bass player playing the wrong note. There was an acoustic guitar player playing the wrong note. The drummer was just hitting cymbals because people think the drummers only hit stuff when they actually are musicians, right, Sergio? Like, uh, like he was hitting stuff. We were singing in the wrong key. It was an absolute train wreck. And then something happened. We realized this is bad. We're never getting invited to camp ever again. They're not gonna pay us, which wasn't anything hardly. With what is happening, and we, we recovered. And we realized, oh, we gotta get all of this together. Everybody on the same page. Everybody playing their note. Everybody playing their rhythmic pattern. Everybody doing what they are supposed to do. And eventually what happened is everybody got on track. And eventually as the song got going, everything got better. And here's why. Because everyone was playing their part correctly. And when everybody plays their part correctly, it sounds beautiful. You ever just been to any, any concert, any kind of musical, like today, you guys rocked it today. It was beautiful. It was amazing. I was like, man, our band is stinking good. Like, I was pumped. Everyone was playing their part correctly. And there's something beautiful when everyone plays the right note in the right place at the right time and in the right sequence. So I asked Connor to do me, do me a favor. Come here, Connor. Um, Connor, I need you to play me like something really beautiful, kind of like what you were playing a while ago. And I just need it to be like everybody, this is to make everybody just be like, oh, that sounds so good. Like, just give me your best, no pressure at all. I just need something just like, mm, man, that just makes my heart like melt. Oh, he's even pushing computer buttons. I don't even know what's happening right now. I just know that he's way more talented than I am. 
So what he's gonna do, he's gonna, he's gonna play something, and we're all gonna listen for a second. And the reason is, is because there's something cool when somebody plays something the right way, and there's something cool when somebody plays something the wrong way. And so, boom, he's ready, maybe. It's coming. Oh. See, when, when everything's together, it's just super cool. I feel way more spiritual right now. You wanna know why we have music behind us when we come up on stage? It's because of that. Because like, I only have to like be real spiritual and all of a sudden like the room changes. Everybody's like, oh, oh man, that, oh, that's good. Like when I say things, all of a sudden it sounds better. I, I could be like, your life's gonna change. Today is gonna be a great day. When you leave here, it's the best yet to come. I love our church. I love what God's doing in your life. And all of a sudden you're like, man, yeah, that sounds great. That sounds amazing. Woo! Now, play something in that, but play it wrong. Like, there's, ooh. The room just not change in atmosphere? It's because not everybody is playing the right note. Now go back to something really nice again before we end. Ah, yes. This soothes my soul. Because I can't have wrong notes, wrong people playing different times and different sequences and, and it work well, right? We all have to be together in unison. And there's a rhythmic pattern to the grace of God. It's beautiful. And it's amazing when something happens that way. Would you give it up for Connor this morning? You see, when people play their part, when everyone knows their role, when they, everyone knows their responsibility, their particular note, their particular sequence, what they are supposed to do, it sounds wonderful. Did you know that you play a part in the local body, in the local church? Everybody has a role. And that when we're not all together functioning correctly, we hit the wrong note, it's like, oh man, I wish we would have done this on Sunday morning. That's what we have staff meetings for. Oh, I wish we would have done that. Like all these things, everybody has a part to play. When Ephesians says that, for we are God's workmanship, like you are created as a masterpiece in essence, that you are created to do good works, not off note works, not bad works, not works that aren't going to sum up to anything, but to do works while you're on earth to play a certain part. You know that there's some of you, you're here today and you, you showed up to church and you're like, man, I just don't really have a role to play. You do. Everybody has a role to play. It's why we give you cards. You may think like, well, I can't sing, you can invite. You may think, well, I, I can't preach, you can invest. You may think, well, I can't, I can't do this, you can set up a chair. It, it, there are so many things that people play, there's so many parts that people play in the church that make it function well. And every time it doesn't function well, there's a hiccup. My, my daughter was born with ASD, atrial septal defect. She was born with a hole in her heart. And what it would cause is it would cause off rhythmic patterns. 
And they told us that they would eventually have to surgically repair her heart. And so we prayed and we prayed and we prayed and we said, God, we believe that your grace is enough. We believe that you're gonna heal. We believe you're gonna touch. We believe you're gonna have a divine moment in her life and that one day she's gonna wake up and it's gonna be completely healed. And guess what happened? It didn't happen. So we went to doctors and the, on the East Coast of North Carolina, and there's a doctor there named Dr. Sang, and Dr. Sang was a hilarious surgeon. And if you're ever cocky in life, it's when I want you to be cocky is when you're a surgeon. Like, I want you to be like, yeah, this is not a problem at all. I do this all day. I could do this in my sleep. As a matter of fact, I sing songs while I, like, I want that guy to be the most confident, cocky dude in the world. And something happened, we, we had to, they had to put medication in Cooper, they had to sedate her, so we had to let her go into this room, and everybody's crying, everybody's upset, and two hours later, Dr. Sang walks out, and he's like, what are you guys crying for? What are you upset about? Like, it's done, I fixed it. I fixed the rhythmic pattern, I fixed her heart, it's all good. As a matter of fact, inside my daughter's heart right now is a device that he put in there to keep non-oxygenated and oxygenated blood from mixing. And what'll happen is her skin will regenerate itself over the top of that hole, and now she will be able to live a complete and whole life. So cool. That night, I'm talking to Dr. Sang as Cooper's in her bed. We spent 27 hours at the hospital and we're home the next day. These guys are incredible. And I said, Dr. Sang, thank you so much. And he said this, this is why I love Dr. Sang. It's not that hard. <laughs> yeah. You know how he did it? He, he went through her femoral vein on her leg with a scope, like he would a stent. And he used all these microscopic things, and he went in there and he sutured, and he said, the surgery itself took about 20 minutes. Um, I just explored her heart for the next 20, for two hours, just to make sure there were no other hiccups in her life. And he said, it's not that big of a deal. I was like, bro. You just went through a vein on my kid's leg and you fixed everything. So now Cooper is whole, she is complete, she is a masterpiece, she is a work of art, she has purpose, she has identity, and now, here's what's cool. Um, I had a guy come over to my house before we took Cooper to heart surgery the day before, and he prayed over her and he said, I, I don't, he's like, I'm not trying to be weird, I'm not trying to be crazy. He said, you can look at my arms, I got goosebumps, and he said this, he said, I believe that your daughter is going to be able to walk into spaces and seek out people who have broken hearts spiritually and physically and be able to help them in their life. And in my, in my house, I'm like crying. I'm like, what? what? And here's what's crazy, guys. Here's what's crazy. Sometimes she'll be at school. And she'll be like, I noticed that so-and-so was having a bad day. And so I went over and I talked to him and I made sure they were okay. And, and every time somebody hurts, she hurts. And every time somebody experiences pain, she's like, oh, and it really messes with her sometimes because she is so in tune with what's going on in people's lives. And here's what I know, that she was created as a masterpiece, a workmanship to do good works on earth. It's to seek people out. And now because the hole in her heart is fixed, she will be able to walk around and help people wholeheartedly get their heart in the right spot for their life. And because of that, we're gonna see, my daughter, I believe, 
is not just a, a, a kid who comes to church. There's a reason why we print shirts that say future world changer around here. It's because we believe kids can change the world. We believe children can impact the world. And here's what I know is that her story right now is impacting some of your lives because you've walked in with a broken heart and you've walked in with some junk in your life. And I'm here to tell you today that you are a workmanship, that you are created not just for good works, but to just do good works, not for you, but for Jesus. So that people can find life, not in you, but in Jesus. So Paul writes this letter to the Ephesian church, which is modern day Turkey. It is a commercial city, one of the greatest seaports in ancient history. They had a temple of a Greek goddess named Artemis, her Greek term, which was Diana. And here I'm gonna tell you about Diana, Diana and this is gonna get a little weird, but she was a god who had uh, multiple breasts. She was a fertility god. And what people would do in Ephesians, in Ephesus, is they would go and they'd worship this God because they wanted children. And they believed that if they worshiped this God, that they would have more children. It is, it is probably one of the most, uh, Ephesus is one of the ancient wonders of the world. And Paul writes to this church and he says, hey, you are a workmanship created for good works, not those works, but works to do good in my community, to do good in the kingdom of God. Even though we aren't saved by the things we do, God still has things for us to do. Like so many times we're like, well, if I show up to church, if I say the right things, if I give more, if I pray more, if I'm here on time, which none of you are, it's okay. I won't call you out from the platform at all. And so like, uh, like if, I'm, if I get to church at the right time, at the right place, and I do the right thing over and over again, we feel like that I am doing good. You are not saved by what you do, but you are saved because God has things for you to do. And it is to create joy on this earth, it is to smile, it is to love, it is to serve, it is to financially resource, it is to give, it is to walk around and see who you can pray for, it is to go out in our community and love those who are far from God. You weren't saved by good works, you did. You were saved for the good works you're going to do. I'll repeat it because I thought it was good. You weren't saved by good works, you did. You were saved for the good works you're going to do. Now I'm telling you, next week, do you know that the average church will double on Easter Sunday? You know that we have an opportunity? You have an opportunity to do good works this week by just inviting somebody? By just saying, hey, this would really mean a lot. I'm going to this church, their pastor's a little bit crazy, their worship team is on point, I love their kids, and they just have a great vibe. I guess it's a great place. You should come check it out. I'd love for it just, just this one time. And I pray that as people show up and as people walk in the door and they can, and you can tell them if they got kids that the Easter Bunny is gonna be here giving people high fives, running around like crazy. If they got kids, you can tell them they're gonna have an Easter egg hunt out there in the lawn. If they, if they, it just invite. You have an opportunity this week to do good works. And here's the deal. Your good works don't have to stop just in one week. You have an opportunity to do good works every single week that you are alive, that you are created to do these things. You've been made right with God by grace, but you have been purposed by God to play your part. Everybody has a role. Everybody has an opportunity. 
And in a symphony, when one musician misses their part, it messes up the whole piece. In our band, if the drummer comes in late, it messes up the whole piece. In our church, when you don't play your part, it messes up the whole piece. And you're like, oh, what's my part? Your first step should be to go to next. Next will teach you everything about our church, how you can get involved, how you can be used. You'll be reached out to. You'll have a place to belong, a place to serve, a place to connect. And you're like, well, I just don't know. Maybe I should lead um, a group. We're gonna have those again here in the next few months where you can lead a group or we train people. And you're like, well, maybe I should, um, I should just be a person who comes and helps set up. Bless your soul, we need you, okay? Like, maybe you're a person who's like, well, I, I kinda... I'm kind of decent with the computer. Guess what you can do? Click the space bar on the computer so that those words can be seen by people so they can receive Christ. I find it funny. Uh, people think that, well, I'm just clicking a button. No, you're telling a story. Do you know how they told story back, stories back in the early church? With stained glass. They would tell stories with stained glass. Here's what you're doing when you're clicking a button on a computer at our church. You are telling a story about God, it's just different. It's not in stained glass material, it's just on a screen. It's projected, it's life-changing, it's something that can change somebody's life. In a symphony, it's an agreement of sound. Can we just all agree on this, that people need Jesus, right? And I guess my always rebuttal or question to you and to myself is what are we going to do about it? Because if we are created for good works, to do good works, to go after those who are far, our job is not to just play it safe. Last I checked, risk was a part of faith. And Jesus did not play it safe when he came to earth. He did not play it safe when he died on a cross. He did not play it safe when he resurrected from the dead. So the least we could do as a body, as a church, is said, let's not play it safe. Let's go after those who are far. You see, when we open up the Bible, we see invitation after invitation to be a part of a story, a huge story, not just a small, minute story, but a story that changed and revolutionized the world. You see, I read my Bible more like a storybook that instructs me rather than a list of instructions. And so many of us, when we open this up, we read all the don'ts that we can't do instead of all the instructions, the instructions that God is telling us to do. Matthew 28, go make disciples. That's not even just an instruction, that's a commandment. He says, go and make disciples. You see, some of us, we read it, we start in Leviticus and we're like, oh, man, don't start there. If you're new to the Bible, don't start in Leviticus, okay? Like, go to James, five chapters, real easy, simple. The book that talks about Jesus the least, but how you should act like him the most. Start there. Don't start in Leviticus, you're gonna get some weird, weird, weird stuff. And maybe you're like, well, I don't know where to, how to read the Bible. Start somewhere. And here's what I know about the Bible. The more you read the Bible, the more the Bible begins to read you. And if you will be a person who will be willing to take a risk and try to understand what's going on in scripture, try to understand what's happening, I promise you, not only will you read something, but it will read you and your life will be forever, forever 
changed. You see, some people today were born to be leaders. Some were born to be writers. Some were born to be elementary teachers. Some were born to uh, run an, an adoption agency. Some were born to run corporations. Some were born to serve in our military or some were born to work in the medical field. Some of you were born to lead others on missions trips. Some of you were, going to, were born to play sports. Some of you were born to lead a prayer ministry. Everybody has a different role. They have a different part to play, but it's all for God. Everybody's got a role. You may be thinking, I don't know my role. Maybe your role is serving. Hey, serving is our privilege at United City. Serving is our privilege. Like, I don't have to serve, I get to. It's the greatest joy on earth to serve the kingdom of God. Maybe you were born to serve in our kids' ministry. Here's what you need to know, is that Jesus came to serve and seek that was which was lost. He didn't come to be served, he came to serve. And you don't have to do everything, but you can do something. You don't, you don't have to do everything, you can do something. You weren't made to do life alone. You weren't made to walk through life all by yourself. You see, the church that I see is passionate about seeing children find life in Jesus. The church that I see is a group of people who are not just passionate about worship, but that are purposed to worship. The, the church that I see is a church that can't be contained. The church that I see is a church where people who are lost find hope in real life in Jesus. The church that I see is not a church that sits on the sidelines and plays it safe. The church that I see is a church of risk takers. It's a church that wants to see people find new life in Christ. The church that I see is a church not just made of small groups, but a church of small groups that goes out and changes the space and the place that they live in. This is what we see, purposed people doing God's purpose on earth. This is the gospel, that God's love for humanity changed history. And then if you're trying to work your way to God, you will never get there. And here's why. Because the gospel is not about making bad people good, it's about making dead people alive. And you were dead at one point in time, sinful, wretched people, and you can't be good enough. But there is a savior who loves you, who's there for you, and who will always be there for you. So as I wrap this up, I just wanna go to the book of Psalms. Psalm 139, verses 13 through 18, every time I have received a Bible in the past year, I write these three things down in the front of it on some pages. And it's because these things matter to me. They identify me as a person. They, they let me know that in the morning when I wake up and I, and I turn the pages of the Bible, that I am different because of it. So there are three things that I want you to know this morning, and one of, they'll pop up on the screen individually, but number one is this, is that God 
has uniquely designed you for a destiny. Did you know that? God has uniquely designed you for a destiny. He didn't just think about you. He designed you with a specific DNA, with the only fingerprint that you have. He knew the amount of hairs on your head, which for me, it's getting less and less. He knew how they would fall out, where they would fall out, where they would land. He knew you before he formed you. He knew your story before you knew your story. He created you with a particular destiny, not just to come to church, but to be church and to lead people to the church so that the bride of Christ can shine like a light like never before. God has uniquely designed you for a destiny, amen? All of you have a role. All of you have a place in the church. This is a church for people. God has uniquely designed you for a destiny. Number two, God has created you as a masterpiece. <laughs> You're like, what? Is you know that God is the greatest orchestrator, the greatest artist in the entire world? Have you seen the sunsets in Texas? Oh, sometimes I drive and I'm like, dude, my God, that's, woo. That's beautiful. In the summertime, I'm wishing the sun will go down faster, but sometimes it paints this beautiful canvas. And where I live out on the north side of Saginaw, it's kind of rural, and we get to drive down Bonds Ranch Road when there's no traffic, it's beautiful. When there's traffic, I wanna punch everybody because everybody's building out there. We live on the backside of that. Sometimes I drive to my house and I look over the horizon. It's just beauty. It's a masterpiece. You know that God only mentions us twice in the Bible as masterpieces? You know what a masterpiece is? A masterpiece is rare. You're rare. Nobody else like you. You're the only you on the earth. You're special. Masterpieces are special. You can't get them at every place. You have to go to certain places to see masterpieces. You've gotta to go to art galleries to see masterpieces. A masterpiece is valuable. Do you know that you're valuable today? That you are worth something? That in our society, we have a big problem with devaluing people? And I came today to tell you at United City Church that you're valuable, that you're cherished, that God loves you, that he wants what's best for you. You're valuable. A masterpiece is known. You know, when you go to an art place, people that work at art places are like, oh, that's painted by so-and-so. Oh, that's painted by so-and-so. Did you, did you see how they did this? Did you, did you know how they did it? Did you know that God knows you that way? Did you know that when God saw you, he saw you just as you are and that he loves you just as you are, that he wants what's best for you, that he painted a canvas on this world, that you were created as a masterpiece to do good works for his kingdom on earth, not just yesterday, not just last month, but today, tomorrow, next week, next month, next year, you were created with a purpose. You're created for that. That's what a masterpiece is. And the third thing is this. God wants you to know your worth. 
and to live as his masterpiece.